Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0800. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If there's something that has come up in your Bible reading that you're confused about or curious about, we'd love to hear from you and hopefully we can uh, help you answer some of those questions. Or if there are things going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like to know what the Bible says about them, we would love for you to call in and for you to share those things with us and we get the chance to pray for you and help you to work through them. So the number to call again, 303 690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720-336-0897. Just a reminder that uh, our show is broadcast in now, I think it's six states. I think that's what I heard the other day. So we're we're broadcasting live into six states. well, actually, not live, and actually, that's that was actually my point in bringing this up. So we're we're broadcasting live in Colorado and Wyoming, so you can hear Grace FM, which is where the show originates here in Colorado. Uh, you can hear the show live all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, we're also syndicated on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So if you're tuning in today on Hope FM over there on the East Coast. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you tuned in. And we also are syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and in parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So depending on how you add that up, that is uh, six states outside of Colorado and Wyoming. So that's a total of eight states that we're broadcasting into. But just a reminder for those of you listening uh, on the East Coast or in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we would love for you to call in and then you get to tune in the following week and listen to yourself on the radio. Um, And you can always tune in via the app or the website if you'd like to hear the show live. But just a big hello to everybody, however you're tuning in today. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. It's cool that the show is being broadcast in so many places and I love it when callers call in from areas outside of the local area here. So I love getting the calls from the East Coast and from Tennessee. And we know that there are also so many people who listen via the mobile app. So if you are one of those people, feel free to give us a call as well. We'd love to hear from you wherever you're tuning in today. If you don't have that mobile app, you should totally go out and get it. So go on the app store on the mobile device that you use and just type in Grace FM and it'll come right up. It's available for Android and Apple and you can download it and you can listen live over the internet wherever you're at. You can also listen anytime you want at the website which is gracefm.com and just click the listen now button and you can hear this program live and any other programs that are broadcast here on Grace FM. So great ministry and God's using it in great ways. The number to call 303 
690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live, and I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Christian church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a non-denominational church that loves Jesus, and we love to study the Bible. So we gather every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. here in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building for worship and the Word. And uh, we spend some time worshiping God, praying together, and then we also spend some time dedicated to studying God's Word. And right now we're studying through the Book of Romans. So it has been very exciting these past few weeks, and now it's a couple months that we've been in Romans, maybe two months now that we've been in the Book of Romans. And this past Sunday, we studied chapter 6. So Romans chapter 6, we finished the second half this week. So the past two weeks, we looked at first the first half and then the second half. And it brings up just such a a great and interesting question, which I'll talk to you about in just a second. But this coming Sunday, we're going to be moving on to the next chapter, which is chapter 7, in which we look at some of the, the implications for, okay, so we've been set free in Christ. Then how is it that we still struggle with sin? Because that's a, that's a present reality for every person who's a Christian. It, w- it means that we've been forgiven of our sin. We've been set free from the power of sin over us, lording over us, ruling over us. And yet, there is this thing where we still struggle with sin in our lives. And I know there's so many of you listening who can relate to that because that's, that's our experience. And we wonder how can we be set free from this, not only from the let's see, the, the consequences of sin, meaning the, the judgment for sin, but also the everyday consequences. How can we get out of feeling that we're trapped or addicted and these kind of things? We're going to be talking about that this coming Sunday at Whitefields. We'd love for you to join us if you are in the Longmont, Colorado area or in any of the surrounding towns. So whether you're in Berthet or Mead or Frederick, Firestone, Decono, uh, down Erie, Lafayette, um, North Boulder, Niwot, Lions, whatever, wherever you're at, just around Longmont, if you're in the surrounding area, we would love for you to come and join us. Our church meets at 10 a.m. in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is a historical building in downtown Longmont. It's at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is what that is, is it's on the northwest corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak. So Kaufman Street and Longs Peak Avenue, right in downtown Longmont, one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. We're right on the corner of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. And um, we'd love for you to join us. So we are meeting at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And the website, if you'd like more information, is whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. And on our website, you know, you can find directions. You can listen to all of our old messages, all of our previous teachings. And um, I was so encouraged last week I had, we had a caller and he said that he's just been listening through all the messages on our website. So it was encouraging for me to know that, that uh, those previous messages, God is using them in people's lives. So if you're interested, check it out, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. I, we have a show called Life in the Field, which is all about living out God's mission in his mission field, which is the whole world. So that's every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and then also Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So you can tune in to Grace FM to hear that. Let's go to Marvin in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hi, Marvin. Welcome to the program. Hi. What's up? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what should I do? Which way should I go? I don't know which way to go or how to do it. 
Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your situation? Yeah. Um, as far as, um, you know, prayer-wise and how to, you know, it's, it's just a constant fight. Ever since I started preaching in my, and things, and the Lord had showed me in a dream three times that I was supposed to preach. Mm-hmm. And ever since I started preaching, then my, my wife's whole attitude has changed. So are you preaching in your church, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And your wife's attitude has changed? Yes. Yeah. In what way? Uh, hey, could um, I ask you, Marvin, it sounds like you have your radio on. Would you word. mind turning your radio um, down or actually turn it off? That'd be great because we're getting a little feedback here. I just turned it off. Awesome. Thanks. So you're saying that your wife's attitude's changed. Maybe you could explain what that means. It changed, you know, like, instead of changing for the better, it changed for the worse. Like, you try to talk to her, she don't want to talk to you. You try to um, pray with her, she don't want to pray. Mm-hmm. All those things. You know, and then I said, well, you know, try studying your word and reading your word instead of being on Facebook and all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I do read my word. I said, okay, I'm not saying you don't, but there should be a change. Yeah, I, see, I'm, I'm not seeing that. Yeah, I guess it sounds to me, it feels to me like I'm coming into the middle of a conversation and not really having all the details, which I think is kind of normal but uh, in this kind of setting. But I would say that um, a few things for you, Marvin. Number one, I'd say that as a husband, your primary ministry is to your wife. Uh, before right. you are called to preach, you are called to be a husband. And part of the job right. of a husband, we're told in Ephesians uh, chapter uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5 is for you to be washing your uh, wife with the water of the word. It's for you to be laying down your life for her. And um, wow. and in every case, you know, your ministry to your wife is going to take precedent over your ministry elsewhere. You know, one of the things right. that we see with Moses is that Moses, you know, his wife was, it's hard to tell if Moses' wife, Zipporah, if she was a believer, if she was not a believer, or where she stood. I guess my opinion is it seems to me that she was not a believer, but I'm not really sure because we're not given enough information. But what's really interesting is that it seems that at one point Moses had not uh, circumcised one of his children. In other words, he wasn't taking care of his family. There he was out leading this nation of people, and he was neglecting the spiritual leadership of his family. And his wife got very uh, upset with him. You remember? And she yeah. said, you know, you are a bloody husband. That's what she called him. And she circumcised one of the children. And, you know, in a way, the Bible seems to be telling us that that saved Moses's life. So I guess what I'm saying is that Moses is an example of that. We have an example of that with many people in the Bible, like David, called to be this great leader. And yet right. he failed at home. He failed as a father. He failed as a husband. And uh, we, we see this as a recurring theme. And then we're reminded of it in the New Testament that the requirements for an elder or someone who teaches are that they keep their house in order. And that not only that, but that they um, that their children also be orderly and and just that they keep their house in order and that that they um, they prioritize that. And so. That isn't to say that sometimes when we're, when we're in ministry that we won't have difficulties at home. And that every di- it isn't to say that every difficulty in the home disqualifies a person from ministry. 
I guess, Marvin, what I want to really encourage you to is to see yourself as the pastor of your flock that's at home, whether that, whether you have kids or not, I don't know. But if you have a, a wife yeah. at home, start there and start with being a pastor to those people. And, um, and you know, I, I know that as a pastor, there are times when there are people who I, who I shepherd and pastor who aren't where I wish they would be or who don't act in ways that I wish they would act. And in right. those cases, how do we, how do we respond? Will we show them grace and we help to shepherd them towards Jesus. See, that's the interesting thing about sheep and this whole analogy of the shepherd and the sheep is that you can't really force sheep to do things, you know? Right. You, right. you have to lead them and guide them. You have to show them the way and, and kind of block them off of where you don't want them to go. But you can't right. force them. It's like the whole idea of leading a, sheep, uh, leading a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, it's the same kind of thing. But what we want to do is that we want to be gracious and lead. See, that's the thing is it's all about leading, not about uh, commanding. So I understand right. your frustrations with your wife. And, and I, of course, I don't know the details of them. But my um, my encouragement to you would be see yourself as the shepherd of that flock first. And that is your primary ministry. Make sure you prioritize it and make sure that just as you would show grace to any parishioner or whatever you might call a person who comes to your church, they show that sim similar kind of grace to your wife. Because it sounds like she needs yeah. it. And, you know, and I have, I, that's what I keep trying and trying and trying to do, you know, every day. And, but it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know what, you can only do so much. I, if I cook or clean, it's not enough. If I come home and actually have your day, it's not enough. Try to rub her back, it's not enough. You know, it's always something. Mm. And I'm trying, then I was like, okay. So then you try to get the kids in order, then she'll fight against you. And I said, you can't do that. You can't fight against me when I'm trying to tell them something to do. Yeah, I mean, that, those are pretty That's fundamental things that you want to get on the same page about. So, right. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I think another thing that, that is hard for somebody who gets into ministry is that there can become this sense in which it's hard to ask for help or go to you know, counseling or seek out help for your marriage uh, in a way right. because you have to, that, that takes a lot of humility to admit that right. you know, here I am, the person who does the ministering sometimes, and I'm the one who really needs to be ministered to, but don't let that, don't let that hinder you from getting the help that you need. It sounds like the two of you need to maybe sit down with a pastor or a counselor and, and work through some of these things. And uh, uh -huh. I would just encourage you to do that. I hope that you have that in your life. Yeah, yeah. But see, and that's the other thing. She, when I met her, you know, she told me a lot of things that, that happened to her, that, you know, how she's been hurt, mother left her at the age of three, all those things. She never seen her again until she was 23. Then she got, she was married before me. Well, he was already married, never told her. Then dated somebody else. He was cheating on her. So now, if I leave the house, that she thinks I'm doing. I'm cheating. All mm. I do is go to work and to church. That's it. Yeah. Well, you know, all of us, we act out of our hurts and our wounds. You know, that's that's how we respond and that's how we, we tend to act. We act in a defensive way. So I would just encourage you, you know, don't uh, try not to hold that against her in a way. I, what I encourage you right. to do is, you know, if it's not hurting you, 
go out of your way to make sure that she understands that. Sounds like she really needs uh, some love and encouragement, and uh, I would just encourage you to give that to her. Okay. You know, you know, one thing I'll tell you in closing, and and I realize, you know, it sounds like there's probably some things in her life that needs to change, but but Marvin, I'm talking to you, so I'm just gonna just speak to you as a man to man, and I'll, I'll just put it this way, you know, I, I love this this phrase that uh, you know the Bible talks about how Jesus says, you know, the greatest in my kingdom will be the servant of all. In other words, in Jesus' right. kingdom, there's a different economy, and those who serve are considered great, not those who are served, and uh, he encourages us to be the chief servant, and he says, just like the Son of Man came, and he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he encouraged us that, that that's the key to true greatness, and that's what we're called to. But uh, I heard somebody put it this way once, that uh, you'll know if you're really a servant by how you act when people treat you like one. <laughs> In other words, you know, I've had people talk to people before, and they'd be like, man, people just, you know, they treat me like I'm, I'm their servant or something. Like they just want me to do all this stuff for them. And I'm right. not, I'm not their slave. And it, oh well, wait a second. You know, maybe that that does something to reveal a little bit of what our, where our hearts are at. Like when I'm serving right. my wife, you know, that's the biggest test. Is it, if she actually treats me like a servant, how do I respond? If I really am a servant, well then, uh, if I am a servant, I, I guess I expect to be treated like one. So, and right. you know, oftentimes people don't say thank you to servants. Uh, they don't. Uh, pay them back and things like that. And so these, this is all implicit in the, the idea of what it means to be a servant. So Marvin, I'm going to pray for you and just, just pray for your strength in this, but also pray for your wife and her heart. And I, I really pray that your relationship gets better. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Marvin and his, his heart to serve you, but also his, his recognition of the, the fact that things are not where they ought to be in his marriage. And so, Lord, I pray for this marriage. I pray for his wife. And it sounds like she's looking maybe to Marvin to fulfill some things, which, which she should be looking to you to fulfill, Lord. But I also pray for Martin or Marvin that as he seeks to serve his wife, that he would do it with a truly servant's heart. And that takes a lot of humility, Lord. But we, we have you as the prime example of what it looks like to be a humble person, to be a servant leader. And I pray that Marvin would learn that in his home first. And uh, as he learns those lessons and brings those things into his home, that that would make him uh, an effective servant for you in the areas where you've called him and opened doors for him to serve you. So, Lord, I just pray blessing upon his life. I pray that you give him grace and patience in his home and help him to be a true leader like Jesus was. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thank Marvin. You. God Amen. bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. We have all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So we had a question following up on that uh, last conversation we had with Marvin asking, uh, do pastors also need pastors? And uh, what about accountability and mentoring? And how, how do you accomplish that, uh, Pastor Nick? Great question. Uh, I guess it's actually three questions, but they're great three questions. And uh, just give you a little insight into that. So number one, do pastors need pastors? Absolutely. You know, we, we need, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing in the Bible that word pastor comes from the Greek word pastor, which literally means shepherd. And so we are not only uh, a, even a person who's called to be a pastor or to be a shepherd, they're still a sheep. Like at the end of the day, 
I'm a sheep. I'm in Jesus' flock. And ultimately, he is the great shepherd. But under him, there are what we call under shepherds, right? So under shepherds are those of us who are called in this life to shepherd other people. And, uh, and you know, that's why we, we use these kind of terms, you know, like dad, the family shepherd. Or, you know, I'm encouraging Marvin to be a shepherd in his home. I mean, lead people to Jesus. Lead them to the pasture. Ultimately, Jesus is the supreme shepherd, and we're called the shepherd under him. Um, but absolutely, pastors need pastoring. They need um, they need mentoring. They need accountability. But I think that the how do I accomplish that? Well, the way I accomplish that, I have a few people in my life, and it's a it's a small group of people, but I'd say probably five or so, who I talk to and who call me up sometimes. And uh, and the, I just had one on Friday. I had somebody call me up and ask me, how am I doing with my family? How am I doing as a shepherd of my family? How, what's, what's the pulse of my family right now? And so um, those relationships are so important. And I, I think that, you know, for some people, you want to be careful with who that is. You don't want to just get that information out to everybody. I mean, you want to because you want to protect your family and you want to protect, you know, maybe even your ministry if you're in a position of leadership. So you got to be careful who you choose for those people to be. But absolutely, uh, pastors need pastors and accountability and mentoring just as much as anybody else because at the end of the day, we're also sheep. We're all sheep in God's flock. So you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We have all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call if you've been wanting to call in. Looks like we had a caller named Gabe who asked not to be on the air, but had a question about whether or not all of the Grace FM pastors believe the same theology. Okay, so uh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, here's how I would put it. I think that in the key areas, the answer is yes. And that's actually part of being on Grace FM, by the way. I mean, I'm sure you guys don't know all the uh, ins and outs of what goes on behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, there's, not that there's a lot. But uh, part of, you know, getting onto the radio station is agreeing to Grace FM's statement of faith. And so I will say this, that I think that within any group, even if it's in a, let's say it's in a denomination or a group of associated churches or whatever that might be, even with people who agree to a particular um, doctrinal statement or statement of faith, there are going to be some differences. First of all, there will be differences in emphasis. But secondly, there will be differences in what we call secondary theological matters. Okay, so you've got, I think that's a really important thing that we differentiate between primary theological matters and secondary theological matters. And, and sometimes you do want to have unity even in secondary theological matters. So, for example, here on Grace FM, I know that some of their doctrinal statement of faith, they're asking you to agree to things which, which are not what we might even call salvation issues, right? So a person can still be a Christian and disagree or have a different opinion or a different interpretation on one or two particular topics. But if we agree, you know, like for the sake of this radio station, that we only want people who have certain theological positions, even if they're secondary ones, to be um, unified in that way for the sake of this station, I think that's totally appropriate. So, yes, do, um, do Grace FM pastors believe the same theology? I would say yes, particularly when it comes to, um, 
let's see, issues of salvation. I'd say for the most part when it comes to issues of um, pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. So someone just texted while I'm speaking right now and said, uh, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Answer is, of course I do, uh, because it's in the Bible. So, you know, having a particular view of the Bible and... Um, yeah, and they wrote, uh, emphasizing preaching the whole Word of God in an expository way. Yes, that's a, absolutely a distinctive. And so even Calvary Chapel has what we would call distinctives. And uh, and those distinctives are held by everybody here on Grace FM. So I hope that answers the question for you. I think it is uh, important that we differentiate, though, between primary and secondary doctrines because there are many times where um, we can have a difference of opinion on some things, but on some things we can't. Like on the person of Jesus, we don't really think that it that there's any room uh, for differences of opinion about whether or not Jesus is in fact God, or if he is uh, truly the Savior, or if his death, his substitutionary death, was really enough to save us, or if we need to do other things in order for God to accept us or forgive us or save us. Um, but yeah, things like along the lines of how do we baptize? Do we baptize by sprinkling or dunking or even uh, things like that? So, or even, you know, differences, minor differences in how we interpret the end times theology. There's, there's room for those kinds of differences in secondary areas, but but definitely not in primary areas. And that's why we differentiate, uh, say, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Uh, we would not call them Christians because they teach Number one, different things about Jesus. But uh, number two, they also teach different things about how a person gets saved and how, how you can be saved and made right with God and justified. And so those are not minor issues. And so we definitely give those priority. We treat those as priority. Yeah, another example would be church government governance or exact liturgy. Those are areas where there can be a difference of opinion. But when it comes to the primary issues, Jesus that who God is, how a person is saved, um, these kinds of things. There's no room for, for disagreement. So I hope that answers your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today. Uh, on the air, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We have all open lines right now, so we're going to our text line. We have a text that came in that said, "Can you pray for my mother? She's about to get a soldier ush. Uh, sorry, a second shoulder cuff surgery on the same shoulder this Friday." So yes, absolutely. Let's pray for this caller's mother. Heavenly Father, we lift up our caller here and. His or her mother, Lord, we ask for this woman having this shoulder surgery on Friday, Lord, that you would uh, reign over the situation, Lord, that you would show mercy and grace in the situation, and particularly, Lord, that you would guide the hands of the surgeons, that they would work with skill, that they would pay close attention, and truly that you would give them the ability to set right this uh, shoulder uh, this rotator cuff, it sounds like, this coming Friday. Lord, so we just ask for any fears that uh, this this dear lady must have, Lord, as she goes under the knife and maybe gets put under. Lord, we pray that uh, you would watch over her and that all of her fears would be dissipated. Lord, your word says that uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And so we pray, Lord, for you to cast out fear, fill her with hope and trust in you, Jesus. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's Calvary Live. Or sorry, that's uh, 303-690-3000. Or you can text us, 720-336-0897. We are coming up on our mid-show break. So in just a second, we're going to take a two-minute break. Um, but we hope you'll stick around with us. And now's a great time to call in. We still have open lines. And what tends to happen during the show is that uh, towards the end of the show, uh, we get a ton of calls and a ton of texts. So if you'd like to get on, now is really a great time. 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts over the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. While I've got you here, let me take the opportunity to personally invite you to join us this coming Sunday at the church that I pastor here in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, It's called Whitefields Community Church, and we meet in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. 10 a.m. Sunday morning for Worship in the Word, we're going to be studying Romans chapter 7 and talking about this idea of well, what do we do with uh, if, we, if we're Christians and we still struggle with sin? And what, what does the Bible say about that, and how can we be set free? That's what we'll be talking about this coming Sunday at Whitefields. And if you'd like more information, if you're anywhere near Longmont and within driving distance, we'd love to have you uh, join us. The website for you to check out more on that is whitefieldschurch.com. Our website, again, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to Linda in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Linda. Hey, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, what's up? Okay, so as not to get too lengthy, I just need some advice on um, how to respond to people that say that they have visitations from the dead. Um, friends of mine, I, I facilitated a grief share class. You're probably familiar with griefshare.org yeah. for about seven years, and I recently moved here. So I'm a flight attendant, and I run into people all the time, my coworkers and stuff that have lost loved ones. And um, the past week or so, I've run into like two or three people that swear that they've been visited by their, you know, their lost loved ones, and I'm just not sure how to um, respond to that, because I personally believe from what Scripture says, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, once they're there, they cannot come back. As David said about his son, he won't come to uh, me, but I'll go to him. But I just don't know, and I don't want to break their heart, because like it gives them hope, but mm-hmm. I just don't know the appropriate way to handle that. Yeah, I guess I would just start by... Um... I, I guess there's one story in the Bible that comes to mind, and I'm not, it's always been a mystery to me, but I'm sure you're familiar with the story. It's the story of Saul, when Saul wanted to speak with Samuel, and he got this medium to come and try and speak to Samuel's soul. And somehow it seems that God allowed him to speak to Samuel's soul. So it would seem that there is some kind of precedent for this in the Bible. Um, but. 
I agree with you in the sense that uh, those people are not coming back. Now, uh, you could say that when David spoke about his son, you know, he was speaking specifically about how the fact that his son was not going to come back to this earth. You know, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, really divides things into Sheol and then the land of the living. So Sheol being the land of the dead and and uh, this world being the land of the living. And um, And so... So we see that somehow God allowed Samuel to speak to Saul uh, from the land of the dead and into the land of the living. Now, uh, we know that that's not good practice, right, to ever seek something like that, and that Saul was in sin for doing that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I guess the way I would approach witnessing to people or sharing with them is by just uh, maybe I would take them to well, here's what I actually do at funerals, especially if I know that the person was not a believer. I like to take them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, and uh, and where we read about the rich man and Lazarus. Are you familiar with that story? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to take them there, and I like to show them, look, here's here's the deal. Like, here's somebody who was dead, and and here's what happened to him when he died. And what this story tells us is a few things. One is that Yes, there is life after death. Number two, not everybody goes to heaven. And number three, if your loved one could speak to you, there's absolutely one thing they would want you to be sure of. And that is that um, that now is the time for you to repent and receive Jesus. So that that would really be the approach I'd take. I wouldn't I wouldn't let yourself get too derailed, in other words, by their belief in um, people coming back from the dead or visitations from the dead. Uh, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. necessarily tr- start arguing with them at that point. You know, I wouldn't make that. Oh, I didn't. No, I just listen. I mean, I don't, sure. you know, because I don't really have anything to rebut with at that moment. So I just, but I mean, this is someone that I kind of know who is a Christian and swears that her brother visited her brother committed suicide last year. So, mm. and there's just been, um, a couple people, because I don't fly with the same people all the time, and, you know, we do what we call jump seat therapy, I guess, and um, there's been quite a few people just lately, I feel like I'm being bombarded with it. It's kind of strange, and I just, maybe I'm being tested and need to figure out what I need to, or the best way to respond, so. um, You know, I think that probably for most of these people, the reason they're having this is, is I, I don't really believe that these are actually their deceased loved ones. I think you could go to the right. extreme where some people would say these are demons. I'm not sure that I Thank would say you. categorically. That's what I think. That's yeah. the, I mean, my belief is that Satan disguises himself as a light. And the one guy that it, I flew with that I didn't really know, so I did kind of talk with him a little bit. I said, um, you know, Satan does disguise himself as a light. Mm-hmm. And he knows just as much about your life as God does. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you hear all those um, people that speak to the dead on TV or what have you, and you know, mom pearls in the blue velvet box, you know, Satan knows you have that, just like God knows you have that, and, you know, and he said, well, there were prophets in the Bible that, you know, and and he's got a point, I mean, there were prophets in the Bible that could see the future and, you know, dream things and stuff like that, but, so, yeah, that's where I got a little off track with, well, I better just be quiet until I know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and so I, I do think, you know? I do think there's a chance, you know, and I, I definitely would not discredit that possibility hey, look, we're dealing with spiritual reality, which is not from God and is is perhaps demonic. Uh, you know, I would want to know the mm-hmm. fruit of those kind of conversations that they have with this, you know, person who returned from the dead. But 
Um, but I think that... Oh, the girl. You, okay, go ahead. I'm yeah. so, the, the girl that, the friend of mine that was in my class um, that I ran into, she was saying that her brother was telling her that we're all intertwined and she's like, and she could see that like, we're kind of all woven people together. And, and, you know, she gave me all these details and stuff and I just nodded and smiled and let her talk because she's still grieving, obviously, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, crush her spirit at that moment because she's really struggling. So, but I, again, you know, I believe it's not from God. That's just my, I mean, I lost my son nine years ago. That's how I started um, facilitating the grief share class. Yeah. And it would freak me out to see him. I'm sorry. You know, like, I can wait, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, um, so, I know. I know we're all looking for some kind of hope and some guarantee and something that um, we're definitely going to see them again. But and that's when I go back to Scripture. It's God's promise, you know. But just wasn't sure how to. So I will use Luke 16. I will look at that. Um, yeah. Keep it with me so that I have it to pull out. When that was, that's really my go-to and, on that issue. And I really think that that's where you want to go is so, hey, look, you know, three things. He, you know, there is a life after death. Not everybody goes to heaven. And if this person were here today, this is what they would want you to know. The other thing is that those visitations are so subjective, you know, so subjective. There's no way to really prove it other than, you know, I felt this is what happened. I'm convinced it's what happened. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that's where the word of God comes in. And it's so important for us is that it gives us kind of an anchor, something that we can actually hang our hat on, something that we can actually go to when we have those questions. Exactly. Yeah. And I probably could have done more research instead of calling you, but I thought I could bounce it off you. <laughs> well, no, hey, you know what? I think that's a great thing you did because, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people listening right now who can benefit from this. So I, I'm glad you did. I hope let, so. Let me, okay. let me pray for you and these situations. So Heavenly Father, I pray for Linda and for others who have similar conversations or questions. And Lord, I pray that you bring clarity where there's confusion. And particularly, Lord, for Linda, I pray that you would use her in a way to show how to um, gently and yet winsomely point people to Jesus in spite of these, um, you know, things that they're either experiencing or believing. Lord, we pray that if these are demonic in nature, Lord, would you protect these dear people from giving into demonic power and presence? But Lord, we do pray that you would use Linda in their lives to point them to Jesus. And we pray that you give her wisdom and scripture to use to do so. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And thanks right. for taking my call. You bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Chris in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Chris. Hello. Welcome to the program. What's up? Thank you. Um, I'm calling in regards to uh, some scripture that I've been reading. Um, I'm in the book of Leviticus right now, and I just had a question that I was hoping that you might be able to kind of Give me some direction on. Sure. Um, so in Leviticus uh, 2.11, mm-hmm. it says, uh, No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven, nor... Oh, I'm sorry. 2.10. Okay. 2.10. I apologize. No worries. And what is left of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. Mm-hmm. So it says it is most holy of the offerings. Yes. And then if you go to Leviticus chapter uh, 6, verse 25, and when they're describing 
the law of the sin offering. It says, in the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. And then also in 7.1, describing the trespass offering, it again uses that same phrase, um, the law of the trespass offering, it is most holy. And so I was just wondering if there was a difference between the description saying in 2.25, saying it is most holy of the offerings, and then here where in a 6.25 and 7.1 where it just says it is most holy, and also like why, why do you think God described the grain offering as the most holy of the offerings if there really is any difference between what he's saying there? Yeah, so in this sense, you know, the word holy is is an uh, interesting word, right? Because sometimes we use holy as, um, yeah, so the uh, the idea with holy is that the word holy means set apart, but it also means, um, you know, it, it speaks of perfection, speaks of beauty and, and power, but it, it means literally to be set apart. And um, what the, the key here with this idea of most holy it's a, they're trying to translate into English a phrase that's found in the Hebrew, which is uh, it's pronounced kadosh or kadesh kadesh, right? So it means the word holy kadesh, and then uh, kadesh kadesh is saying it twice, most holy. So holy holy, and in the Bible, you know, you see this happen a lot. Like for example, um, I think of Matthew chapter seven, just off the top of my head, where Jesus says, "Some people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord." So that idea, especially in the Hebrew culture of repeating something twice is is something that's done for great emphasis and so mm. we see this in a couple of places in the old testament and we see this kind of practice throughout the new testament as well because it was inherent in hebrew language and culture which is really just to emphasize something and i think that's really so i, I don't think that what it's saying in leviticus in these three verses that you quoted is that there's a kind of ranking like this is number one, this is number two, this is number three, because then in that case he's saying this is number one, this is number one, and this is number one, right? So that would be mm -hmm. what's confusing about it. Uh, so which one is the most important sacrifice? Uh, I don't think it's meant in that sense of ranking them according to importance. I, with this caveat, I guess what I'm saying is that there is a distinction made between things which are holy and then things which are most holy. So it's, I'd say that's breaking them into two categories of the things which deserve particular importance and particular reverence and holy and are to be treated as particularly set apart and holy unto God. So I, I hope that makes sense. You know, think about this in terms of in the temple, there was the holy place and mm -hmm. then there was the most holy place. And okay. it, it's, it's kind of showing you a rank between those two, but really it's putting, giving two categories. And here's something really interesting. The producer just mm -hmm. sent me this. He said, well, think about Isaiah chapter 3, where the seraphim around the Lord of hosts say, holy, holy, holy. And, you know, you see that in other places in the Bible. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So that's actually Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. But the point being that that, that idea of emphasizing a word more than once is really to give weight and and more emphasis to it so i don't think it's to say that the, those things are at odds with each other it's just that those three sacrifices are meant to be in this kind of higher category that are to be given more reverence and more uh respect and treated as particularly holy okay so 
there isn't a particularly like so there isn't a offering that was most sacred all of them are you saying that they were they were all kind of um equal i'm saying that those three where it says that these are most holy so that that's speaking of a particular category of how god wants those things to be treated so in that case yeah i'm saying that those three i'm not sure if uh one of them was more important than the other I guess it would depend on for their purpose, right? Because that was the thing about each of those sacrifices is that they each served a different purpose. And that's what, yeah. what's really interesting about Leviticus. Is you can see like there's a guilt offering and that's to be treated as most holy, right? And then with some of the other ones, there's a, the grain offering, you know, and then you have, what was the other one we pointed out was chapter uh, six. The, 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 there was a grain offering in chapter two and it, the trespass offering in chapter six and then this um or sorry the sin offering or the um yeah the sin offering in chapter six starting in verse 24 right and then and then trespass in seven right and so okay let's talk about the grain offering was to be i mean this is almost like what we do with our tithe you think about a farmer who has a certain amount of grain the grain offering was a person bringing the first fruits of their grain and or even you know it would be done first with the first fruits but it would be done throughout right. the year with their grain yeah. and giving their produce their proceeds to the lord and making an offering of that it's very similar to what we do with money nowadays uh, especially yeah. in a bartering society. And then, yeah. so he's saying that is very holy. And then he's saying the sin offering and the guilt offering are to be treated in the same category as exceptionally holy, that elevated status. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, it just, I guess I was just kind of wondering, because, I mean, it says in two directly in 2.10, it says it is most holy of the offerings. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't use that that term of the offerings in any of the any of the other places where it says most holy. And I mean, I don't know. I I, I mean, I kind of I kind of had had an idea of why, mm-hmm. you know. But because like I would I would think that you know because I was reading up about the grain offering and that it was like a voluntary offering. It was, you know, um, voluntarily given. And so I was figuring that might have been why it said of the offerings in chapter two, but I don't want to like, you know, misinterpret that. Sure. I, again, I, I really don't think it's ranking them as, uh, yeah. you know, this one's more important than this other one. I think it is only in the sense that there are two categories given the, the holy and the most holy. But here's another thing I would just point out to you. And I, I think you've probably already gone there, but just for the sake of, for the sake of that worshipful sense and considering this, think about this, that all of these sacrifices point to Jesus, the one who willingly gave himself, right? The one, the fellowship offering, the one who gave himself so that we could have fellowship with God, the one who gave himself so that our sins could be atoned for, not just covered, but atoned for, the one who died so that our guilt could be taken away. And so not only are we forgiven, but we have no guilt before God. And I would argue that Jesus is the most holy sacrifice ever amen amen all right cool god bless you man thank you for calling in and you keep reading the word all right thank you 
All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got 10 minutes left. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. We had a text message come in. We've had several come in, actually. And uh, this one I told the person I would respond to. So let's go to Brian from Denver, Colorado, has this question. What is the biblical position of the miraculous sign gifts of the New Testament. For example, speaking in tongues, miraculous healing, and prophecy as the apostles prophesied, do they continue today or were they concluded in the apostolic age? So this, uh, Brian, is one of the issues that we talked about a little bit earlier. Remember we had this caller who asked if all of the um, if all of the pastors on Grace FM had similar theology or believed the same things. And I said, yeah, they do. There are some differences in theology. And, and this is actually an area where I believe that all the pastors on Grace FM would have agreement. But it is an area where there, can't, there is room for disagreement among Christians. Like this, I like to say it this way, that this is one of those areas where we can discuss it as family. Like We don't have to necessarily all have the same opinion, but where we differ in opinion, let's discuss it as family based on our, our family's book, right? Based on the Bible. And so the question, um, what's the biblical position? So um, my opinion is I'm what would be called a continuationist, and that is uh, opposed to a cessationist. So a continuationist believes that the... Uh, these miraculous signs, so they're called the sign gifts in the New Testament, um, carry on until this present day, that there has been no ceasing. So that's where the idea of cessationist comes about. That's somebody who believes that the sign gifts have ceased. Now, I don't hold that position, but at least I understand it. So let me let me show you where those people are coming from who say that it has ceased, and then I'll tell you why I disagree with that. So the sign gifts, let's if you are going to go anywhere in your Bible, I want you to go to First um, Corinthians chapters twelve through fourteen. First so Corinthians chapters twelve through fourteen, and in those chapters, Paul is talking about the spiritual gifts, and he's talking to a church in Corinth that was that had uh, a lot of spiritual gifting and and was open to the movement and the work of the Holy Spirit, and yet at the same time they were immoral and they were unloving towards each other. So they had all kinds of issues, but they excelled in the spiritual gifts. And and Paul says, look, hey, I want you to be informed. I, I don't want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts. And he gives a list of different gifts. And he gives the gifts like speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. He talks about prophecy, words of wisdom, things like that. He calls these manifestations of the spirit, which are for the common good. And he talks about how we're all one body with many members. We all have different gifts and different ways that God uses us. But then he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way and he says that in chapter 13 he says hey look you can have all the gifts in the world you can be prolific in using the gifts but if you don't have love then it's all kind of a waste right that's that's what really matters that's the true fruit of the spirit at the end of the day and here's what he says and this is where cessationists tend to come from a couple places but number one um they start here in first corinthians 13 they say this love never ends as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know him and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, and there's the big question, what does that mean? When the perfect comes, the particular will pass away. Okay, so let's stick with this. And what he's saying is that when Jesus comes, well, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's say this. He's saying that prophecies and tongues will pass away. Now, generally, when people talk about sign gifts, they fall into... Uh, a couple different categories. They talk about speaking in tongues, healing, 
and prophecy. Notice he doesn't mention healing in this area of things that will pass away. He mentions specifically prophecy and tongues. But then he mentions a third thing, which is knowledge, and says that knowledge will also pass away. Now, is he talking about... Now, now then he says they will pass away. When? When the perfect comes. Now, what is the perfect? That's the big question. What is the perfect? And the answer to that, I think, is very clear from the context of 1 Corinthians 13, the perfect that he's talking about is, in fact, Jesus. It is when, he says that in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. When will we see face to face? Well, when Jesus returns and we're with him in heaven. And at that time, guess what? We won't need prophecy. We won't need speaking in tongues. We won't need any of these sign gifts at all because we will be healed. We will know the will of God. We'll see him face to face. And so, Clearly, if he's talking about, some people would say uh, that the perfect represents the Bible or the canon of Scripture. Now, I don't think that that's the case, and here's why. Because he says, because first of all, he's not even talking about that. And secondly, he, he says that knowledge will also pass away. Well, knowledge certainly has not passed away. If anything, knowledge has increased. So I do believe that the biblical position on the miraculous sign gifts is that they do continue up until this present time. And one of the big reasons for that is that there's no reason given why they should ever stop or why they shouldn't continue. Furthermore, in the, the after the apostolic period, we still have the early church fathers Tertullian and um, Irenaeus. Those two, Tertullian and Irenaeus, um, they talked about the sign gifts continuing in their day as well. So all those reasons, I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm a continuationist and not a cessationist. And uh, if you'd love to talk about that again on a Monday, I'd like to talk about that with you too. But we have one last call I want to get to before we end the show. Shauna in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Shauna. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Um, I actually was calling um, to see if there was a difference between certain denominations of churches, uh, because I started hearing certain messages when the Bible was being read, and you actually already answered my question before you picked up the phone. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, all right. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. Okay. So um, yeah. do you want to elaborate at all? Because we've got five minutes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I uh, started reaching out to, to Grace Calvary and um, learning through them, and I went and uh, learned some things from another congregation, and I spoke to um, a Mormon congregation today, um, so just trying to unify um, everybody together is basically what I what I am trying to do. Um, and so I was just curious um, to see, like, in your personal or in your, your group's beliefs, you know, if um, a unification of different churches is necessary. Yeah, I would say that in some cases it is necessary or warranted. In other cases, it's not. So, for example, when it comes to, um, you know, a lot of Christian churches have a lot of very similar theology. They'll differ in what we call these secondary issues, like I've been talking about. But in the big issues, that's actually where um, we we would say that unification, we can't be unified because there are the primary issues where we have a difference of opinion. And so, and not just opinion, interpretation. And and so it's not just that we have a difference of opinion, they're, they're pretty weighty differences. So for example, the Mormons in particular, uh, they preach a, a different Jesus in the sense of they, the Jesus they believe in is different than the Jesus that uh, the Christians believe in. And um, the way that you become a Christian, the way that you're saved or made right with God is very different and it includes our efforts whereas 
Christianity and the Bible would say, no, it's Jesus and, and trusting in him and receiving that gift by grace. So I hope hope that brings some clarity. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, I just uh, was, was, you know, battling with the thought of, um, you know, Jesus after crucifixion and before crucifixion and where people stand, where that's at, you know. And, and I, you know, I truly believe that Jesus comes again in flesh and blood and is trying to unify everybody together um, because we're stronger together as a whole than we are as a part. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I would actually say this, you know, my experience as a pastor has been that um, there is a lot more unity amongst Christians than I previously might have assumed that there was. So, for example, uh, from the outside, it can seem that there are all these different churches and they're all like just kind of doing their own thing. I think the more you get into it, you find that, yes, there are different congregations and uh, amongst those who can be unified, like I said, who agree on the primary issues, um, I think there is actually a ton of unity. Uh, you know, here in Longmont, we were contacted by uh, another denominational church. They know that we're trying to buy a building, and they offered us that we could apply for money from an endowment fund that they have, and that they're supporting other ministries. So I think there actually is more unity, at least in my experience, than it might appear from the outside. So I would just encourage you in that. I do think we're stronger um, together, but there are certain issues where we, we have to draw the line, right? Because if we don't stand for anything, we stand for nothing. Yeah, and if we exactly. say, you know, well, we're just going to set aside this issue, even though we consider it primary, well, that we're, you know, then what ground are we standing on? What do we actually believe in? To believe in something means that there have to be certain things that you disagree with. So all those together... Um, thanks for calling in, Shauna. God bless you. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. God bless you, and tune in to Calvary Live every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.